At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. Let's take our Bibles. We're in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 25. 2 Chronicles, chapter 25. We've been looking at these kings here of Judah, and of course, the book of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, all in one book in the Old Testament and in the Hebrew. And uh, it was written after the captivity. Some think that Ezra wrote the book. God used Ezra to write that. I don't know that for sure. Um, it's a reminder to these people after the captivity and being returned back to their land that they are the people of God. You see that in the genealogies in chapter uh, in First Chronicles, the first 10 or 11 chapters. You see that in, in, the, in the rise of the kingdom with the Saul and then David. And, of course, so much about David, his heart for the Lord his desire for the things of God, the covenant that God makes with David, the Davidic covenant. And, um, and then you have these kings and their relationship to the Lord and how they respond to him, either obey him or disobey him, trust him or not trust him, and how they serve him or serve idols. And the last king that we looked at in chapter 24 was Joash. And Joash was just an amazing king that um, God showed his power through and uh, put him in place. He was just one year old when Athaliah uh, slaughtered all of the royal seed except for little Joash who was hidden as a baby and then uh, produced, brought out after uh, on, the, on his seventh year and made king. I think, I think I'm losing batteries. I just kind of feel it. I don't know what that means. So I'll try and stay in the corral here and um, that'll be maybe better anyway. So, um, so now... We are looking, and we saw how Joash turned away from God. He forgot God. And tonight we are going to look at his son Amaziah. And so picking up here in Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 1, it says, Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadan. And of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. And we're going to consider that. There are 28 verses in this chapter, and they're pretty big verses, but we're going to look at the life of Amaziah. And uh, this, this fellow is uh, what would be called, I, I put a, a title on him that you see in Jeremiah 3. It's the word backslider. Sometimes in the jail, I'm, I ask them, when, I, when I'm giving my testimony, I'll ask the fellows, I said, do you guys know what a backslider is? Because I mentioned a backslider. Do you, do you know what a backslider is? And this last time, I think that out of 10 guys, there was only one that knew what a backslider was. So um, I don't know. I'm going to have to do, do a change up on my testimony there to um, be able to connect with the fellows. But uh, the backsliding away from the Lord. And this fellow, Amaziah, I see him going from uh, uh, just a real subtle at first, very subtle. He backslides away from the Lord until at the end he is in disaster. And we're going to take a look at him. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And I thank you that it is all good. Lord, that it is for our profit and edification, and all of it, it is inspired, and uh, you gave this word, these examples in the Old Testament for our admonition, and Lord, I pray that we might be able to learn from the life of Amaziah tonight. 
and to help us. May your Holy Spirit meet with us. Lord, if, if, if you don't meet with us, if you don't take your word and use it in our hearts, then it's all for naught. And so, Lord, we know that you don't return, your word does not return void. And so I pray that you would use it and uh, use it in our hearts tonight. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So let's go through the five stages of this man and his wandering away from God, if you will. And we're going to begin with the first stage here in the first four verses, and we're going to see his respect towards God. That'll be the first one. These all start with the letter R and uh, to help you kind of track with me. So his respectfulness, and I want to go back and read now, picking up in verse 3. Now, it came to pass... When the kingdom was established to him, that he slew his servants that had killed the king, his father. But he slew not their children, but did as, as it is written in the law and the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. And we're going to stop right there and just consider this man's respect of God because this is where he starts and, and he's going to move away from this position as he reigns. He has a tremendous opportunity when you think about him. He's 25 years old. Do we have any 25-year-olds here tonight in the auditorium? Oh, yeah, Jared and Lydia. Wow. Oh, yeah, two of them. So a couple of 25. Man, that's just like, a seems like a prime age. You guys are probably the best age in your life. I don't know. Anyway. I know it's not 59, wow, or um, probably older, but uh, 25 years old. He is king. He's sitting on the throne of Judah. This is, this is God's kingdom. This is where the temple of Jehovah is. He had a father that was preserved by God in order to keep God to keep his promise of the seed that would be promised to David. And uh, his name, Amaziah's name, means Jehovah is mighty. And what a great reminder. It's, it's fun sometimes names you know, have, these, have these meanings, particularly Bible names oftentimes have meanings, and to, and to live up to the name, and uh, if it's a good name. And uh, he is, his father was Joash, which means given by God. His mother's name was um, uh, Jehone, Je Jehoadad, Jeho wow, and um, which means Jehovah delights. And what, what could have been in this man had this man um, been Jehovah's, Jehovah's delight, done what was right, and the blessings that could have come? You know, um, it's, it's fun to see in Scripture when a person gives themselves over to the Lord and how the Lord works in their lives. I think of Joseph and just the, the wonderful things that happened in the life of Joseph or, or even Moses and some of the things once he got on track and uh, began to follow the Lord and just how God used Moses. And so here this man has 29 years. That's a good long time to be able to reign. He has a tremendous opportunity, and you see an obstacle here in verse 2. It says, he did right, he did that which is that right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. It's too bad that's in there. Um, he didn't have the complete heart, the, the full heart. It's the word shalem, which is shalom, close to shalom. It's the same, the same word family there. It means to be safe, to be full, to be peace, to have peace. Uh, he did not, he didn't have, he did right, but not, 
he didn't fill it all out. He, at, at a certain point here, he's going to turn south and go the wrong direction. Something else about him, when you think about him, you see his obedience here. In verse chapter 25, in verses 3 and 4, it came to pass, uh, when the kingdom was established to him, that he slew his servants that had killed the king, his father. And if you go back to chapter 24 and verse 25, you see that his own servants, Joash's own servants, conspired against him. And of course, this was of God that this happened, but they conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and slew him, uh, slew him on his bed, and he died. And uh, so when Amaziah finally came into position, he put those murderers to death. And that, of course, is the right thing. Whoever sheds man's blood, by uh, man shall his blood be shed. That was the Noahic covenant, part of that. And um, the way he did it was the right way also, as it mentions here. And it takes, it takes pains, if you will. The Scripture goes through the detail in verse 4 to say that he slew not their children, but did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses. And he specifically followed a, a precept in the book of Deuteronomy. I want you to see it. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16. Numbers, Deuteronomy 24, 16. And here's what it says. The fathers shall not put to death shall not be put to death for the children. Neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. And it is this verse of Scripture that the king understood and he specifically followed it. There's something special when a person gets a hold of a verse of Scripture and they obey it to the T and do what's right. They, they find the verse, they find the passage, and they specifically follow it and obey it. That is such a sweet thing. That is such a wonderful thing. Um, everybody else around them may be doing something different, but they have a verse of Scripture that they're locked in on. This is, this is Amaziah. He is respecting a particular verse in the book of Deuteronomy, and so he does not put these murderers' children to death. He respects the Lord, and that is a noble thing. Well, that brings us to the next step here in the process, and we come now to chapter 25, verses 5 through 10. From this position of respect, where he's respecting God, respecting the Word of God specifically and things like this, a place of obedience. Now we pick up in verse 5 and we see something else now happen. The Bible says, moreover, verse 5, Amaziah gathered Judah together and made them captains over thousands and over hundreds according to the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them 300,000 choice men able to go forth to war that could handle, spe handle spear and shield. And I'm just going to stop here and I'm going to tell you what the point is, and then I'm going to lead you through the passage here. I'm going to, I'm going to suggest to you in this section between verses 5 and 10 that he goes from a position of being respectful to God to being remiss. God. 
There's a place, there's a, what I call this place that he gets into of the place of being remiss or neglectful with God. And this is a dangerous position to be in. And it's a place, first of all, for him of discovery. You see in the verse here at the end, well, kind of towards about three-quarters of the way through of verse 5, it says, and he found them 300,000 choice men. And I'm going to grab a hold of that and just talk about it for just a moment. David, when he numbered the children of Israel and he sent Joab out to number them, I think it took him eight months or something like that, was that good or bad? That was not good. What was wrong with David numbering the people of Israel? Well, I think we would say this. Even Joab saw through this and, and tried to talk David out of it. I think we would say this, that, that there would be a tendency in David's heart to trust the numbers rather than God. Why do we need to know numbers? It's God that we trust. Jehoshaphat is a, is a little different from David. David didn't know the numbers and, want, and found out the number. Jehoshaphat found out numbers too, but he had a different heart. Jehoshaphat had an army of 1,160,000. That is a significant army. And here's Jehoshaphat's attitude about those numbers. Take a look in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. Here's what he says. I mean, he's got a, he's got a, a million man, a million man plus army. And here's what he says when the enemies are coming against him. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Wow. He's got a, an army of a million plus, and he's praying a prayer like this. What a heart. You know what? This is a good heart. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those who's, who, will, who will trust him, whose heart's perfect towards him. And here's Jehoshaphat's eyes are on the Lord saying, Lord, what are we going to do? We've, you, we have no might but in you. And later, as you, as you go on in the passage of Scripture, he says at the end of verse 15, Jehoshaphat does, uh, 2 Chronicles 20, 15, he says, the battle is not yours but God's. Wow. Verse 17, I love it. He says there, he says uh, at the end of verse 17, um, you don't need to, or the beginning of verse 17, you don't need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, be still. See the salvation of the Lord uh, with you. And verse, the end of the verse, for the Lord will be with you. Verse 20, listen to his prophets and God will prosper you. So, wow. Why do you need to count numbers? Why do you need to find out how many is in your army? But Amaziah did some numbering and organizing, and he found, he discovered that he had 300,000, which is nothing compared to Jehoshaphat's army or David's army, but he had 300,000 choice men. And I think it did something to him. There's a passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 27, and it says this, It is not good to eat much honey, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. To, to begin to look at yourself and think, you know, hey, look what I've got here. And to put stock in, in, what, in, in the good gifts that God has given. So that brings us to number two. Take a look here. We're back in 2 Chronicles chapter 25, and here's what it says. 
He hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. Now he's gone from this place of seeking his own glory, is what I would call it, where he finds out what his army is. He has this ambition. We're going to find out what it is in just a minute. But he has this ambition. It's not because armies are coming against him. He, he's ambitious here. And now he steps from a place of discovery into a place of disobedience. And he hires 100,000 soldiers from Israel in the north. You know what? When Asa did this kind of thing, Asa finagled things, God said, God rebuked him for what he did because he didn't trust the Lord. That's where that verse comes from in 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9 where he says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And because Asa didn't trust the Lord but tried to finagle things on his own, he got in trouble. Um, Jehoshaphat in a different frame, was rebuked because he went to help the ungodly. And you see that in 2 Chronicles 19 too. Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet Jehoshaphat. And he says, shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? What are you doing partnering with, with Ahab? You've done wrong. And so you have both of them. You have the, the issue of trusting trusting in this other army of 100,000. And then you have the problem of partnering with Israel, which is not acceptable with God. And then you have the issue of Ahaziah, which was killed when he was up partnering with um, Jehoram. And so you have this place of disobedience here. Verse 6, I think, is just bold-faced disobedience. He has gone now from a place where he respects God to a point where he's getting very careless and, and neglecting God, he's in a place of disobedience. Now he, has, he comes to the next place, and it's a place of decision. He's going to have to make some decisions. When we begin to, make, when we begin to be disobedient, it brings issues in by, by which we have to make decisions. And here's what you see in verse 7. There came a man of God to him. Don't you love that? No name. He's just a man of God. And he has the word of God. And it uh, doesn't matter who he is. It matters what God has said. O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee, for the Lord is not with Israel to wit with all the children of Ephraim. Don't go with them. God's not with them. Or any of the children of Ephraim, stay away from them. So now he's confronted. He's been given a command. And if that's not enough, he's given a caution in verse 8. It says this in verse 8, If thou wilt go, do it. Be strong for the battle. Be strong for the battle, for God shall make thee fall before the enemy, for God hath power to help and to cast down. It's like he's already assuming Amaziah's not going to listen to him. And, you know, prophets sometimes... They give the message, and they can just pretty much figure out what's going to happen when the message is given. And that was this prophet. As a matter of fact, the prophet's caution is this. Okay, if you're going to do this, if you're going to take your 100,000 from Israel and you're going to go into battle, go ahead. Um, do it, but you better be strong because you're fighting God. He isn't going to be with you, and he has the power to make you succeed or fail. That's what the prophet's saying in verse 8. He says, if you're going to do this, go ahead. 
but you better, you better get yourself strong because God isn't going with you. Matter of fact, God's going to be against you and you're going to fail. So, kind of an interesting thing here. Amaziah is actually challenged by it and he responds to it. And it says in verse 8, Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do for the hundred talents which I've given to the army of Israel? He says, okay, I'll, I won't take the hundred thousand, but what about the, the, what about the hundred talents which I gave Israel? What about the three and three-quarter tons of silver I gave them? And the man of God says, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Now remember, he is Jeho the Je Je Jehovah who is mighty. That's the meaning of his name. And so he's got this challenge. He's got this problem. What are we going to do about it? We gave all of this money. We're going to lose that. You know what? Disobedience oftentimes brings loss. But it, that's not a reason to keep being disobedient. At this point, Amaziah did the right thing. He's been remiss. He didn't, he didn't check out with God beforehand before he went and did all of this. But now he's in trouble, and now it's going to cost him. That's what happened to Joshua. Remember when the Gibeonites came? They didn't ask counsel of the Lord. And then they, then they had some grumbling go on because they had made a promise to the Gibeonites because they hadn't talked to God first. Well, God's able to give him much more, and so that brings him to the next place. He, has this, he goes from discovery to disobedience. To, now he's got a hard decision he's got to make, and he, and he does the right thing, but now he's in a place of difficulty, verse 10. Verse 10, Amaziah separated them to wit. He, he got rid of the Israelite army, the army that has come to him out of Ephraim, to go home again. He sent them home. Wherefore, their anger was greatly kindled against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. I mean, these guys that have been hired for the thousand talent, 100,000 talents of silver, they were not only going to get the 100,000 talents of silver, but they were going to get the spoils in battle too. And now they're being cheated out of the spoils of battle, and they're being sent home. And he's in a place of difficulty. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult decision for him to make. It affects 100,000 soldiers. It affects the kingdom to the north. And he's telling them, go home. We don't want you part of this. Isn't that a way to make friends? Hey, come on. We, hey, let's go to battle together. No, we, don't, we decided we don't want you. That is not going to go over well. These guys are angry, and uh, he's going to have some problems. He's in a real place of difficulty, and that's where being remiss, when it comes to the things of God, it just brings troubles but now we go from the place of being remiss to the next step, which is horrendous. It's a place of replace. It's replacing God. So chapter 25, verse 11. Amaziah strengthened himself, led forth his people, and went to the valley of salt and smote the children of Seir, 10,000. He wanted, he wanted to bring the, Ephri, the Edomites back into submission, if you will, and other 10,000 left alive did the children of Judah carry away captive and brought them up to the top of the rock and cast them down from the top of the rock, and they were all broken in pieces. And the soldiers of the army which Amaziah sent back that they should not go with him to battle fell upon the cities of Judah from Samaria even into Beth Horn and smote 3,000 of them and took much spoil. And we keep moving, verse 14, now it came to pass after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites that he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods 
and bowed down himself before them and burned incense unto them. Wow. First of all, I want you to see his confidence in verse 11. He strengthened himself. This is, this is like the verse back in, that we just saw back in verse 8. Now, if you're going to go into battle, then you better strengthen yourself and go because God isn't going to be with you. That's the idea there. And so what does he do when he goes into battle? He strengthens himself. Oh, he's gotten rid of the 100,000 now, but he's still going to strengthen himself. And I don't think this is a good thing. I don't think his whole ambition here is a good thing. But, you know, he goes forth in his strength. There's a passage of Scripture in Jeremiah 17, and it says this. This is so different than Jehoshaphat. Here's what it says in Jeremiah 17. Verse 5, thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. And certainly we know where this is all going. He's actually going to get so full of himself, too big for his britches, and he's going to bring these other gods in and begin to serve them. Cursed is on the person who trusts in his own arm and departs from the Lord. He shall be like a heath in the desert. He shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not inhabited. But blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters. And it goes on to talk about the blessings of that. In the book of Proverbs chapter 28, it says this in verses 25 and 26. Proverbs 28, 25 and 26 he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Trust the Lord, be made fat. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Trust in your own heart, you're a fool. Trust in the Lord, you'll be fat. Fat or folly? Well, he goes in the confidence, the success of this confidence, and then you see something very disturbing. Isn't verse 12 disturbing to you? It's disturbing to me. Kills 10,000 in battle. They take 10,000 captive and they take them up to the top of a, a rock where a cliff is and they just chuck the people off. That's, that is terrible. That's calloused. That's not God's people. That's not God's kind of king. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 17 this, it says, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Or the mercy that is shown in the book of James, chapter 2 and verse 13. The man who shows mercy is going to receive mercy. And a person who doesn't show mercy isn't going to have mercy. And this man has become very callous and very cruel. Something snapped. Something's different in this person. And then you see the conflict that he has in verse 13. He has these soldiers now who go back home. And then it seems like once they get back to Samaria, they said, you know what? We got cheated out of the spoils. We're going to go back and get some spoils from the people of Judah. And they come back and attack Beth Horn. And I think it's what it says, Horon. And they, and they smote of them. There's 3,000 that die. They take away much spoils. It sounds like they actually just destroyed cities all in that area. Now he's got problems. He's turning his back on God completely. He's become so full of himself. He, has, he hasn't worshipped the idols yet, but it's, it's getting really close. And now he's got all of these troubles, the calloused heart, self-confidence, 
And now we have a counterfeit God, verse 14. He takes the gods of the Edomites that he's just defeated, and he brings them and sets them up and bows down to them and burns incense and worships these gods. It says in the book of 1 Corinthians, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There's, and then it goes on to talk about there's no temptation taken you. Then it talks about idea. Wherefore, flee from idolatry. Like it says back in the book of 1 John, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And this man and his pride, there's some, there's some kind of close connection between pride and idolatry. A man living and trusting in himself and doing his own thing versus worshiping the God of Jehovah. And this person has gone from being respectful to the things of God to neglectful with the things of God and now to the point where he just actually replaces God. And now watch what happens. You see his refusing, verses 15 and 16. Wherefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah. Man, you, you and I don't want to be there. You read the Old Testament when God' anger was kindled against different individuals at Taborah when they, they were complaining about the out in the wilderness and there's no meat and God sent the fire to burn among the camp and killed a bunch of them. Or in Numbers chapter 12 when, when Miriam and Aaron are griping against Moses' wife and God was angry and Miriam was struck with leprosy. Or Balaam, when, when he's going to go, and you remember the whole story of the donkey. I mean, he's determined to go to get the wages of, of, of reward, and, and God is angry with him. Or Baal Peor, when they, when they mixed with the daughters of the Moabites and the Midianites, and God was angry with them. When they failed to go into the land and they end up their carcasses being strewn across the wilderness for 40 years, or Achan when he took the accursed thing and God's anger was against them, or Uzzah when he touched the Ark of the Covenant and God's anger was stirred, or when David numbered Israel, to, 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 to kindle the anger of God is not a good thing. And so a prophet from God comes. He sent him a prophet, no name just a prophet, just the Word of God, which said to him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? Now, that's a good question. Why are you worshiping gods that, that couldn't even deliver their own people, and you've brought them back, and you're going to worship them? Well, when the prophet confronted him with that, just like so, so the natural response of all of us, when somebody comes and rebukes us, we don't like it. He didn't like it. Verse 16, it came to pass as he talked with him, the king said unto him, Art thou made the king's counselor? Forbear. In other words, stop. The king says, I don't want to hear any more of this. You have no authority to come and prophesy in the king's court. Well, that's trouble. Because the prophet says here, he says, the king says to him, why should you be smitten? I mean, he threatens him with death. Then the prophet forbear. He stopped. And he says, I know that God determined to destroy. I know that God hath determined to destroy thee because thou hast done this and hast not hearkened to my counsel. God's going to kill you because you haven't listened to God's word. And uh, he is now con he's now a condemned man. Yeah, the clock is ticking on him. And uh, he is going to be destroyed because he has refused 
In his pride against God, he has refused. There are occasions like this. Uh, remember when Asa was wroth with the seer and threw him in jail? Or when Ahab was wroth with Micaiah and put him in jail? Or um, um, there's that passage in um, Amos that is so, fa I just love the passage in Amos. I'm going to run over there and read it for you real quick. Hosea, Joel, Amos chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. So Amos goes to the king. He's from Judah, and he goes up and, and prophesies to the, up in the north. And the priest of Bethel, uh, his name is Amaziah too, by the way. The priest of Bethel, he confronts, he confronts Amos, and he says to him in Amos chapter 7, verse 12, he says, O seer, go flee. Be away into the land of Judah and there eat bread and prophesy there. Hey, Amos, get out of here and go back down to Judah and prophesy down there and, that's, and eat your bread down there. As if he's there to prophesy to get money. But prophesy not again anymore in Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and it is the king's court. You don't have any right to prophesy here. This is, you have no authority. The king is not going to allow it. And here's Amos' answer. He says, I, I'm, I'm no prophet. I was no prophet. Neither was I prophet's son. I was a herdman, a gatherer of sycamore for of, of figs. I herded sheep, and I, and I farmed figs. And God said to me, go prophesy to Israel, my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore, here's the farmer. He gives another little prophecy here. He says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be a harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in, the polluted, in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. Woo! Man, I don't know. Um, here he told the prophet, Shut up. We don't want to hear you, prophet. You don't have any right to speak here. And the prophet says, God's going to take care of you. And so we have the last point here, the recompense, and I finish with this. By the way, in the book of Proverbs, you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. You rebuke, rebuke a scoffer, you'll get yourself a shame and a blot and hatred. But you teach a, you teach a, a wise man, and he'll increase in learning. Uh, I think we know what Amaziah is here in the passage of Scripture. And then you see the last stage here for this man, his recompense, because he has refused God now. He's worshiping idols. He, does, he will not hear. As it says in verse 17 now, the king of Amaziah took advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, come, let us see one another in the face. So here's what's happened. He hires the 100,000, then, then he fires them. He sends them home. And then they get angry and come and trash a bunch of his cities. Now, he's big stuff because he's just whipped up on the Edomites. And uh, so now he's all full of himself. He goes up to the, to the Israel where they, they, that he hired the 100,000 from that trashed his cities. He says, look, we're going to battle, buddy. You can't do that to my cities. And he, and he calls for battle with the king of Israel up in the north. And Joash he gets bad advice, by the way. You see in verse 17, Amaziah the king of Judah took advice. He wouldn't hear the advice of God, but now he takes the advice of his own counselors and it's going to be to his demise. 
And so you see his deafness. Joash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, when, when he said, come, let's face each other in battle. He says, the thistle that was in Lebanon. A thistle's just like a, eh, like a tumbleweed, okay? It's just, a, it's just a, a nasty, noxious bush. The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar, which is a majestic tree of Lebanon, saying, give, me, give thy daughter to my son to wife. It's like, what? A thistle bush giving a, you know, to my son to wife? Give thy, you know, the, the, the Lebanon, the, the cedar in Lebanon, give his, his, his daughter to the thistle bush, to the son of a thistle bush? And it says, there passed by a wild beast that was in Lebanon and trod down the thistle. He saith, lo, thou hast smitten the Edomites, and thine heart lifted up thee to boast. He says, now abide now at home. Stay home. Why should thou meddle to thine horn? Why should you come stir up strife with me to your hurt, that thou shouldest fall, even thou and Judah with thee? You're full of, you're too big for your britches, Amaziah. Back off. Just stay home. Don't cause a problem. I'm going to have to clean your, I'm going to have to clean your plate here, buddy, if you come up here. Amaziah would not hear. And then listen why. For it was of God that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies because they sought after other gods, after the gods of Edom. Man, forbid that we ever get in a position like that where we, we cannot listen to the prophet. We cannot listen to, to good counsel. And we're just going to do our stubborn thing in our pride. And that God is working against us in deafness. We can't hear and so Joash, the king of Israel, went up, and they saw one another in the face. And he and Amaziah, king of Judah, at Bethshemeth, which is Amaziah's own territory. It's about 15 miles north, northwest of Jerusalem is Bethshemeth, and it's in, it's in the area of Judah. He's fighting the Israelites in his own territory. Ah, that is not good. And Judah was put to the worst before Israel, and they fled every man to his tent. So he's defeated now he's disgraced. Verse 23, Joash, the king of Judah, the king of Israel, took Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the, king, the son of Jehoahaz at Bethshemeth, brought him to Jerusalem. So he brings the king that is now defeated him, the king of Israel, now takes, takes Amaziah and brings him to Jerusalem, to his own capital. And he breaks down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits, at 600 feet. And he took all the gold and the silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of God that were kept by Obed-Edom and the treasures of the king's house. And then he took hostages, literally sons also, and returned to Samaria. So he, took, he, 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 he looted the temple, looted the king's treasuries, and then he took the king's sons and grandsons and took them all away, captives, back to Israel. He depleted him. And then you see how things ended up for this man. Verse 25, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, 15 years. And the rest of the acts of Amaziah, first and last, behold, they are, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? Now, after that time, Amaziah did turn away from following the Lord. From that time that he turned away, he put those idols up. Or whatever that began, that pride process began. They made, they made a conspiracy against him. From that time, they had been making a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem. And so he fled to Lachish. Lachish means invincible. That's the meaning of the name. He fled to invincibility, if you will. <coughs> but they sent to Lachish after him and slew him there. 
And they brought him upon horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. And so you see this man who goes from from (coughs) respect of God to turning to to neglect, to to turning away from God, to just complete destruction by God, from backsliding to disaster. Like one of the commentaries said, from bad to worse. He went through all of these stages, and I think the lesson that I have as I think about the whole passage of Scripture, two things come out. Number one, trust God. Look to Him. Don't just do things on our own. Always be coming to Him. Don't make the mistake of Joshua with the, with, when it came to the Gibeonites or Amaziah. Always, always be checking with God with the projects that we're doing. And number two, be humble. Keep a humble heart. Humble and submissive to the Lord. Lord, what do you want? And, and I think that'll keep us in good stead if we will humbly follow our God and trust him and not just get big for our britches and do our own thing. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help us to be humble. Lord, that you would help us to be trusting you. Your eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show yourself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards you. God, Amaziah's heart was not, it wasn't perfect. He did, did what was right at the beginning, but not with a perfect heart. Lord, help us to have a perfect heart towards you and to trust you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Para Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10:13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead then you may right now pray. And according to Romans 10.13, call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've made a decision to trust Christ, let us know. The number of the offices at Pear Park Baptist Church is 434-4113. Someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours. In addition, the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Pear Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Pear Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.